but no one really knew what you know anorexia was back then. Mm-hmm. You know when I was a teenager. And that's what it was. Because I wanted to go fishing in Alaska, and also I started practicing karate at a school that was right next to where I lived in Seattle. It was kind of through that is how I actually ended up in Japan. So I was like. I want to thank both of you for allowing me to come into your fantastic, beautiful gym that you've had here for how long now? It's been a little over, well, it's been 12 years now, right? Yeah. Well, we opened right at the end of 2010, mm-hmm. going into 2011. Officially, it was 2011. We mm-hmm. opened right before the tsunami and the earthquake and everything. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you said you went yeah. bankrupt? No, we didn't. Almost. But disclose. <laughs> that, that almost happened with my company as well. And I think... I heard, read in one of the motivational books, one of the many motivational books that I read, that most millionaires mm-hmm. go bankrupt at least three times before they hit the mother love. Travis, Cody. Yeah. Cody, tell me, where were you born? I was born um, in Matsuyama. Matsuyama. Okay. You know, yes, yeah. I've been down in Shikoku. Yeah, yeah. Yes. As a matter of fact, I've ridden my motorcycle all the way around Shikoku. Yeah. Matsuyama is listen, the capital listen. city of Ehime. And that's where I land. Yeah. You land there. I used to land there all the time yeah, on yeah. one particular business because they have a real beautiful airport mm-hmm. back then. Yeah. Wow, Matsuyama. Yeah. So you grew up there? I grew up there till like I turned 10, 11. Okay. And then my parents moved to Yokohama. Okay. And then I stayed there till I turned 15, I think, mm-hmm. or 15, 16. Right. Are you the only child? No, I'm in the middle. I have older brother and younger brother. Okay, what are the, what's the year's difference between the youngest and the oldest? Um, eight years each. So I'm right in the middle. So the age difference between the younger brother and yeah. the older brother is like 16 years. So your parents waited eight years each time? <laughs> yeah, I don't think they waited, but just Okay, okay, it just happened that way. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I thought they planned that view. No, it, yeah, but <laughs> it wasn't planned. Okay, yeah. so how was it being, but that far apart? Were you, uh-huh. you you weren't very close to either one, were you? Or maybe um, the younger one? I wasn't maybe close to my older brother. Okay. Yeah, he was like on, on like my case, like you shouldn't do this, you should do that. So it's like I wasn't really close to him, but um, with my younger brother, he was my baby. So. And he still is. Yeah, he still is. <laughs> I'm, I still like have dream like in my dream like he's like six years old or something. <laughs> he's right? older than this guy, but yeah, yeah. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So let me ask you. So when you were growing up. Yeah. What was it like? I mean, when you came to Yokohama, you said you were you stayed there till you were 10, like, 11, yes. 10, 11. Mm-hmm. And then you went to only Japanese schools? Yeah. Okay. Then how did you learn to speak English as well as you do? Uh, just self-taught. Self-taught? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like how? Um, give, me, give me that. <laughs> I was interested in it. So I started watching movies or videos. And then also I started writing my journal in English. And then From what then, age? Um, I started doing that seriously, though, after I turned 21 or 2. Okay. Yeah. But until then, I don't know. I, I was kind of interested in English, but I wasn't in that environment. But I do have the background of practicing music when I was, when, since when I was a little child. What, what, what piano? No, um, marimba. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> you picked marimba? I didn't. My, my mom did. Your mom's a musician? Yeah. She was not, but somehow, like, she just happened to know someone who was a marimba player. Okay. And then 
quite famous person. And then somehow she thought, like, you know, I would have more opportunity to be a really great marimba player than to try to become like pianist because there's so many people practice piano, right? Okay. Now the marimba, what does it look like? It's about um, six foot long. Okay, six foot long, right? And are you familiar with the xylophone or? Xylophone, yes. Yeah. The humongous xylophone. Right, right, right. Don't bring it, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's marimba too. Yeah, that's marimba, yeah. And then that, that's the one I got when I was six years old. <laughs> <laughs> but you call it marimba, but yeah. we call it xylophone, don't we? Yeah, but, but um, it's a little different type, like different type of sound range. Okay, it's just yeah. the sound is different, sound but the setup looks the same. It looks, it looks just the like same, the but much larger, yeah. Much larger, yeah. okay. Yeah. Do you ever play now? No, I, I wish I could, but um, I started practicing wadaiko, Japanese drum, lately. But I used to play like drum and then... With Moko Sensei? <laughs> you know Moko? You don't know Moko no, Sensei? No. Oh, she's... Dynamite with Daco drums. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. She had me squatting for a while. I mean, you feel it here. She had me on those drums, and I said, okie dokie, yeah. I'm done. <laughs> no. But yeah. you, so that's what you're doing now? Yeah. That's what you as do for your part time, as your hobby. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Did you go, when you finished high school, did you go to college? No, I didn't. Um, there was a little long story. Um, so I started practicing music when I was six, and then um, and I scored quite pretty good at the IQ exam and stuff. Mm -hmm. So my mom, her expectation toward me was like up high here. Gotcha. So I tried to do like whatever I could do to, just to get the compliment out of her, but she never ever gave me. So I was never good enough for her, right? So I tried, 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 tried. And at some point when I was tiny, like 15, 16, I started feeling like, I don't think I can stretch myself any thinner than this. Then um, I stopped eating. I, I could I couldn't eat and so back then I was 16 I think and I my original weight back then was like about 90 pounds or so but I started losing weight so quickly and within a couple of months I got TB <laughs> tuberculosis so I got Actually, yes. hospitalized in a sanatorium mm -hmm. so and then I still kept refusing to eat just but no one really knew what you know, anorexia was back then, mm -hmm. you know, when I was a teenager. And that's what it was. Yeah. So I kept losing weight and then my weight went down to, gosh, when I was lightest, like I was 21 kg means like 40 something pounds. So bold. I was this close to die, but I was lucky enough not to. Who brought you out of it? Um, I remember just, I don't know, there wasn't one particular incident, but one day, when I was at the hospital, everything was so gray in there because, like, I was the only younger person in that ward, and then everyone else was like an older person, like waiting for you know, their time to come. And then I just felt like I just wanted to go outside to be under the sun, just for some reason. And I was in this ward, like dark room, for like month, right? I just wanted to go outside, and I asked the doctor, and then they said it's okay if it's just just a you know like backyard there. So I decided to go outside. As to go outside, I, I had to have like, okay, I'm ready, I can go out. But you were but, able to walk and stuff? Because um, you were really weak, weren't you? Very weak. And my shoes felt really heavy, but okay. um, I went outside. And as soon as I went outside, the color changed. Like in the building, it was everything was so gray, mm -hmm. like not enough sunlight coming in those places. And then went outside, that was a sunny day. 
So everything was so beautiful. And then this hospital was in the countryside. So it's like everything just so green. And then somehow there was a goat. I don't know why, but there was a goat. That was your angel goat. I don't know. <laughs> so okay. I just started like looking at things and then hearing things and people laughing and then, you know, people speaking. And then that was completely different world compared to where I was from. So I felt, oh, I want to stay on this side. And then without really noting, no, noticing or realizing it, um, I was thinking, you know, if I keep purifying myself by not eating, I become free from things that I was feeling. It means that I, I was slowly killing yourself. Yeah, killing myself. And I wasn't really aware of that clearly, but um, I felt uh, I want to stay on this side of this world. So um, I went back into the room and then. Um, for the first time, I ate the food a little bit. <laughs> and still, like, I had this ups and downs. So it took me several years. So by the time I finished my high school program, I was 20. This is all in Yokohama? No. Um, like, when I was 16, I, when I started becoming quite ill, mm -hmm. my family went back to Matsuyama. So my, oh, they went back? Yeah. So my time in the hospital was in Matsuyama. Okay. Yeah, so then, you know, I turned like 20 or so, and then, and I, I just wanted to figure out what caused me to go onto that path, and then I wanted to study psychology or psychiatry, you know, but I wasn't maybe healthy enough to do anything still, and then, so I wanted to do something to make myself like healthy enough so I can be independent from my mom. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you know, and um, so I started doing some yoga or tai chi and stuff like. But I didn't, I didn't really like it much. And then, but then, back then, Jane Fonda's workout came into Japan. <laughs> You're telling people your age now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go on. Yeah, so I, I said like, and she tried to, sue, you know, she tried to sue some people for doing the same thing <laughs> for jumping jacks. And yeah. if anyone would be able to do that, it'd be Jack Lalanne. Yeah. <laughs> He's the one that started this. Yeah. Thing. For Jane Fonda's Fitness, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So started like checking, you know, her like book and then also started reading um, the Kenneth Cooper, Dr. Kenneth Cooper's aerobics book. And then so started like kind of mimicking those things and then I liked it. And then, then I found the class and then I started going there and then, yeah, I just totally enjoyed it. And then a year later, I found myself completely, completely just remade, made over. Oh, yeah, so... How old were you then? About I 20, was 21. 21. Yeah. Wow. Now we come to Travis. <laughs> My man, where were you born? When, what year? Where? Oh, where? Not with you? <laughs> I was born actually on Lake Tahoe area, but okay. my parents moved there pretty soon after I was born, so I don't ever spend any time there. So okay. from Lake Tahoe, they moved up to the Seattle area. Mm -hmm. So that's basically where I grew up. So I was Are you the only child? No, I have an older sister, so she's about 10 years older than me. But so My she does have a <laughs> Your age, she's yeah. 10 years difference. Is yeah. 10 years different? Yeah, it's 10 years You're different. so happy about that. That's a young guy. Look at this. And he's a mature woman. Look at that. All right. So, I know you can guess that we're 10 years apart. Actually, no, I think I'm older than her. Of course they would. Yes. That's usually the natural order. That's the order. Well, just because yeah, yeah, the lines okay. on the face. Right. You know, <laughs> Going, you look so happy, and that makes her look really young. <laughs> We're going, so you, so you grew up with this 10-year-old sister. Are you guys close at all? 
Yeah, I mean, we're close enough, but I mean, obviously with the 10-year age gap, right? I mean, she was, in the U.S., you know, people are, they're out of the house early, and she was out. Well, what, actually, my parents uh, separated, divorced, and remarried when I was quite small. And so when that happened, I was around like four or five, my sister was living with my dad initially, and then she kind of took off by the time she was like 17, 18, she was already doing her own thing and moved out, and I'm like, you know, six, seven years old. So, of course, we're not, we didn't spend a lot of time. Okay, and so just shooting the so yeah, so from my, for all intents and purposes, as I was growing up in day-to-day life, it was kind of like being an only child, right? Mm-hmm. My mother and stepfather. And then my father and my stepmother, they were actually moved to a different part of Washington State. And, so and left you there? Yeah, so I was only seeing them kind of on the... So how old were you when you left there? How old was I when I left? When they, when they left. Oh, my father and my stepmother? Yeah. Oh, no, was it your father, your mother, and your stepfather? Wait, hold on. <laughs> Who raised you, your mother or your father? My mother and my stepfather is where I spent the bulk of my time. Okay, yeah. and then they left. No, 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 I wasn't them, that was the bulk of my life. Okay. So my biological father, my stepmother, they were on the same area for a little bit and then they moved to a different part of Washington okay. State and I would see them for a couple months in the summertime and like a Christmas break kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But the bulk of my time was with my, my mother and my stepmother in you know, a little bit north of Seattle. There's an island change there, the San Juan. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, so I grew up on those islands. Oh, wow. Yeah. Beautiful place. Yeah. So are you still, uh, how are your mother and father doing now? Oh, great. They're both doing well. Yeah, yeah. And yours, Colin? Mm-hmm. Well, mom and dad are doing well. No, no. Oh, no. <laughs> my mom passed away five oh, years ago. My dad is, um, I think in his way, I think he's happy. Um, he's got dementia. Was he close with you, though, when yeah. you were young? Yeah. You were his sweetheart, weren't you? Yeah. His little, he made someone. Yeah, he was the only one um, who yeah. told me that I was... Yeah, loud. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So tell me about what was it like for you growing up in your childhood? I guess, I don't know. I don't really think about it all that much. What do you mean? Like, no, I mean, not in a bad way. I mean, what did you do when you went through school? Did you have teachers? Did you have a bunch of friends? Oh, yeah. So, so I grew up in a very small community. Uh, so again, like I mentioned, I grew up in the you know, Salmon Islands. Mm-hmm. So there's multiple islands. I grew up on the largest one. It's called Woodby Island. I grew up on the south end of that. Um, and very small community. They're you know, largely kind of the hippies that have moved up from California and artist types and all that. And so as a as a place to grow up, you know, retrospect I can look at, I was like, yeah, it was wonderful. You know, yeah, really. nature, really quiet. Everybody knew you. Yeah, everybody knew a lot of stuff, community things going on, big, you know, there was always something. It seemed like every, like, I don't know, every couple of months there was something going on, a big potluck at somebody's house or something. And so there's a lot of interaction there and a lot of that real, you know, in this country environment, um, very much the opposite of being in, in Tokyo. So it's just a lot of trees and open forest land and things like that. That's what I was kind of used to. Do you have any friends you still keep in touch with that you grew up with? To a certain degree. You know, we, we stay in touch to a certain degree, but I'll be totally honest. I mean, since I've been in Japan for the past, you know, 20 odd years, it's like most of my stuff has kind of shifted over here. And, you know, I'll go back for business and stuff and see. You know, see my mom and my stepmom and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, and I'll catch up with people, but it's not, uh, yeah, you know, friends. Yeah, I would say it's kind of in the middle. I haven't lost touch, but it's not like we're on the phone. Oh, the time, what the month yeah. yeah. Did you go to college? Yeah, yeah. So I went to the University of Washington there. Okay. Yeah, so after I finished school. Not, even that was a little bit, I was kind of in and out of college, to be honest, because I went, um, I wasn't really sure what I was doing. Who, like, who does? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, who were you? Eighteen when you went in, or something? Yeah, eighteen. Right? So, and, you know, obviously, you know. So I finished. I went through high school. My high school actually that was a little bit of I don't know if it's if it's interesting for you. 
listeners, but that was a little bit interesting little jog. So I, I grew up on Whidbey Island, which obviously has its own school system and everything, South Whidbey School District and all that. I went to there until high school, and then at high school, my parents and some other parents in the community, they got this idea that they would try to send some of the kids over to a private school in Seattle. They thought it might be a little bit of different education, maybe a different experience than just going through everything on that island, because again, very small community, rural, that sort of thing. So a bunch of us went into this private school in Seattle, which entailed like, you know, we have to take ferry boats. So, you know, you get off, out, so it's like, you go off, get on the ferry, take a community bus into downtown Seattle, go to school there. I mean, it was like some long days. How long did the transportation, the trip? About an hour each way, each way more. Thank you. Okay. If you factor in getting from the house to the ferry dock, and everything else. So yeah, it was it was a long haul. So I did that for about a year. My parents at the same time, like a lot of families on Whidbey Island, at least South Whidbey, they were working on the you know on the mainland. We call it. They were working on the other side as well. So they would they were commuting and stuff anyway. So I kind of commuted together with them and did different stuff. But that lasted about a year. It was it was a rough commute to get to downtown Seattle. That was before the traffic that you got now in the Seattle area. So when that wrapped up. After one year, I was like, this is a bit much. And so I transferred to another school that was actually not on Whidbey Island. It was, again, it was on, on the mainland, but it was in a near, it was near, it wasn't in downtown Seattle, it was in a smaller town, Everett, which is much closer to the ferry dock. That way I could go across the ferry and take a school bus for 10 minutes and not be taking like a commuter bus for an hour or so. But was the education as good? It was, well, it was a public school, but it was a, in a, in a, more well-funded district, okay. I guess. So yeah, the, probably the education comparatively compared to what's going on South would be might have probably been they probably had more financial resources. I guess I'd say mm -hmm. that. Um, so I ended up doing that. So I was really not going to school, which also gets back to your other question, like how close I am with people on the island. It's like, well, I'm kind of more close to the people I went to high school with than were in, even though I only knew them for three or four years, kind of thing. And so, um, so I did that. That wrapped up, and I was like, okay. I'll go into the University of Washington. I wasn't really ready to leave the state. I applied to different schools, and then uh, um, I did that, but I really didn't have an idea of what I was really wanting to do. So I lasted basically one year at the University of Washington. I went fishing, commercial fishing in Alaska when that summer wrapped up. And what age, what age, what age? So I was 19. Oh, wait, 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 no, I'm sorry, I misspoke. It wasn't my first year. I went one year at the University of Washington. I got done, I you know, had the summer break, I came back, and then the second year, I didn't go a full year, I like stopped midway through because I wanted to go fishing in Alaska, and also I started practicing karate at a school that was right next to where I lived in Seattle. That was kind of through that is how I actually even ended up in Japan. So I was like, basically dropped out of college because I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing here, I'm spending a lot of money, I, all I want to do is practice karate all day long, and and then I'm gonna go fishing in Alaska. But you saw, you saw, you saw Karate Kid, and that is that what did it? Is that what did it? What? No, I, did I definitely it? saw the Karate Kid, but this was a few years after that. Yeah, this was definitely so real after that. Did you have any bullies? Um, did you have a situation where you kept no, on dreaming about it? Did you I say, hey. No, no, I didn't have anything like like that at all. I wish my life was that exciting. Yeah. But Karate Kid did. To have a spark. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, I you know I like that. And of course, growing up in that era, I think like a lot that's of kids, right. we had sure. a lot of stuff where you know you got the Star Wars stuff and the that's Jedi right. and all that's these right. things that's are right. like tied into these like influence on like Asian martial that's arts right. and that's right. yeah. And so I kind of dabbled with something on Whidbey Island with a guy who was teaching there, and I moved to Seattle. 
and I happened to move into this school that was like, it was a very high quality school, and the instructor was from, he grew up in Nakamaku, actually, he was originally from Japan. Oh, see, that's your first experience with someone Japanese. Yeah, and then he was in Hawaii for a little bit, and so, I mean, we were tied into this whole, like, international Japanese organization, and I kind of went in, like, oh, yeah, this is really cool, so I... <laughs> I ended up there, and um, and I actually officially dropped out of school for a while. I was just working there, so I was I, in Alaska. No, no, at Wait. the dojo. At the dojo, I got a job there at the dojo. In so, Alaska, summertime. Though. And I was yeah. fishing in Alaska in the summer. Okay, so that was still the same, all the same time. All right, now let's get to the big part: how you two met, and how you developed this. Okay. Wow. So go cool. Um, so Travis actually like ended up coming to Japan, right? So you could probably talk about that first. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, through that connection of being in the, at the mm-hmm. school, so I, I eventually did go back to, to college. <laughs> I'll just throw that in really fast. I got I, I worked at the dojo for many years. I enjoyed it. We had a great time, but I wasn't quite sure that I was going to pursue that as like a long term career path. Like I didn't know if I wanted to run my own dojo and you know do all that. I figured I should go back to school. I went back to school to get a degree um, in what? I ended up getting a degree, and it was mostly like quite a. My major was in zoology. I had a minor in chemistry, so I was studying more like biological systems, that sort of thing. And I had a uh, a bit of an influence on ocean stuff because again, I was fishing in Alaska every summer, so I liked that. And so I, I, and at that time there was no talk about when I was at the dojo. We were just training like martial arts. There wasn't a lot of talk about like what we do here, like functional anatomy or or, you know performance training and things like that. so yeah, I went back to school. I, right as I finished, I was talking to a guy at the dojo. His son was training there. He was he was Spanish. His wife was Japanese. His kid was obviously mixed, and he had been training with the dojo for a long time. So I knew the guy, and he just pulled me aside one day, just out of blue, and he was like, "Hey, Travis, you seem really interested in like martial arts in Japan and things like this. Have you ever thought about living in Japan?" And I was like, "No, ever." And he's like. Wow, you know, they have these scholarships and stuff. You could probably apply for it. You just graduated from, you know, your undergrad. You could probably apply and do grad school there. Let me know if you're interested. I can introduce you to some people. And so I did. I was like, that sounds cool. Long story short, I ended up getting into the University of Tokyo on a full scholarship, and they moved me out here to Japan, and that's what brought me out to Japan. And you, did you finish that scholarship? Yeah, yeah. I got my PhD from the University of Tokyo. Yeah, I love it. I mean, so you're adopted. Why don't people call you Dr. Travis? You just keep that hidden. Yeah, yeah. Like your martial arts. We, by the way, we studied Shotokan? I was studying Shodu. Shodu, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think there's four basic yeah, ones. So yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Shodu, Shotokan, Waterway, Goju, Right, right. Water, right. Go to view, right exactly. And then Shodu, you also. Yeah, yeah. that's right. a there as well. But it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, so that's what got me to Japan, and that's where. You know, well, come on, well, bring, bring it together. How'd you yeah, guys meet? She was in the dojo. No, I wasn't, I wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) No, so he came here and he wanted to continue like karate practice, right? But he had like quite severe chronic hip pain. So he started looking for different like solutions and going to, you know, see different doctors and different physios and all those people. Like he tried to get that, um, you know, information from like, they couldn't really figure it out. And then some of them told him like he needed to have surgery, but he knew it wasn't something that but he was still like looking for things and he ended up like like talking to Chris right first Chris yeah right. um, who is who, oh, it's a friend of mine who's yeah. another when I was doing my PhD at University of Tokyo he was an undergrad there from New Zealand and he was um, 
he was a little bit ahead of the curve. He had been studying with some stuff. He was studying ocean science stuff as well, because that's what I was also doing at University of Tokyo. But he was into Aikido, and he also had studied some things, like early stuff. You hear the concepts of like functional training stuff. It's a big buzzword now. 20 years ago, it wasn't, but a couple of people knew, and he was kind of on that and started introducing Did he ride it into, did he ride that wave in? No, because he, I did. I ended up switching hers. He, like, you know, he, he ended up doing other stuff. He, okay. he yeah. just put me into some, onto some different, um, like educators, and I was reading their stuff. And one of the things that kept popping up in there was like looking at how your body functions, and, and this concept of this uh, kind of treatment called rolfing came up in some of these textbooks that I was reading. So she rolfed me before she rolfed you. Yeah. My goodness. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, you did it in person. No. Um. That well, was I actually like, didn't do much rolfing. She'll tell you. Yeah. So yeah. like he actually um, got my name from. Dr. Sappers. Right. Do you remember Dr. Greg Sappers? Yeah. He was like a, he's a MD, medical doctor, but also an acupuncture, Helios Clinic it was in, a, in Roppongi. Yeah. No, no, I didn't go to him. I went to another guy who used acupuncture, but he also used electricity. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And I said, this guy's nuts. I think he was just experimenting. <laughs> no, anyway. there, there was a technique like that. Yeah, but, <laughs> I know. So he just happened to know me, and then he gave Travis my you know, contact information. So he said, like, send him an email. And then, so started communicating, and then, you know, I knew like roving wasn't exactly the answer, but um, I, I, we decided to have just one single session to see what I could do. And then, so I had the session with them, and then, seemed like like the more than anything, like what he needed was just to find out what was going on with his system. So I started helping him to find, you know, different like sports doctors and stuff. So we started communicating. Okay, nice. Yes. And then, and then, and then, so we started going on dates. So who asked who? I'm going to be at six o'clock. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, finding the doctor and then just helping him to you know communicate with doctor. I didn't know his Japanese was so good. So I thought he kept that a secret, like his martial arts, like his PhD. Yeah, he never spoke to me in Japanese, so I didn't know. But. So, 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 every now and then, you'd be, so, so every now and then, you'd be with your friend, you say, Yeah, but um, what I liked about him was like, when he said he was going to do something, like to send a message or to do something, he always did. And then that was a very, you know, like, you know, you meet so many people. And then people say things, but not exactly like that's what they do. But they, he even tiny things he delivered. What Whatever he said, he did. He did it. So, so started like you know, kind of developing my trust towards him as a friend, as a person. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. How many just, years? How many years did you guys? When you started dating, how many years did you date before you? It wasn't um, years actually. Oh, you did. Okay, so when you decided, when you guys decided, you said, "Hey, yeah, it was like okay, you were ready. Yeah, okay, works, you were okay. ready. You were ready." Yeah, I think we were like living together within like a, you know, couple of months. Yeah. Well, you know, you know. And then moved to a bigger place, and then a few years after that, and got married. And yeah, yeah. So it's been how many years now? Been together since when I was born. It's like almost like eighteen, nineteen years yeah, now. Nineteen years. years. When did you, who decided this? And how do you pronounce the name of your lab? Oh, this. Because you use a Japanese lab, Japanese pronunciation, <laughs> or do you use the American pronunciation? Yeah. Oh, the American. Kineticos? Kineticos, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. 
And how do the Japanese say it? Kineticus. 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 Okay. I'm so, so good at it. <laughs> you should. You're very good. Yeah. You should be. <laughs> how many years were you together before you decided this? And what made you come to this decision that you wanted to have your own lab? I think you told me one time you talked, and you told me it's always been a dream of yours to have your own place. Yeah, that was a yeah, that was a long time ago. But yes, yeah. we decided to open this place, and back then though we didn't really have any business plan or anything. But um, we had gone through um, forty weeks mentorship mentorship program with uh, Gray Institute, mm -hmm. and so physical therapy, yeah. kind of performance training mm -hmm. institute. And then the, you know we got huge influence from them, and then we wanted to do things we wanted to do, <laughs> not just you know within someone else's like you know platform or protocol. So we wanted to do something like you know, just purely wanted to help people with, and then so we decided to open up the facility without having any business plan. So. We didn't have any business loan, anything. We just bought all just, those equipment like that. Yeah, you just start loaning money. All the stuff you're not supposed <laughs> to do. Yeah, right, yeah. Right, yeah. Just empty our savings right. account and went into personal debt. And then, like, yeah. Yeah, that, and then, then tsunami hit. That's why, like, Travis yeah. saying that we're this close to go. Yeah, because, right. like, we, yeah, we opened the space up and we had, you know, we had some foreign clientele, yeah, yeah. but we didn't hadn't gotten into the Japanese market. And there's the scare, right. and all the foreigners, you know, they're like, "Hey, we can afford to leave for a while, see what happens with this Fukushima right. thing." And we're like, "We can't afford to be sitting here with our doors closed." So, oh, that's uh, the time. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. what happened. Did that affect where you plan for your future for the future now with this COVID? COVID has COVID affected you in a good or bad way? Not really. Well, I shouldn't say it hasn't affected us. I mean, it has. I think it's affected. Um, so, I mean, this space here, we actually kind of, we actually renamed this. When we first opened the space, it was called the Synergy Center. We had other people involved, and it was just kind of more like a multidisciplinary yeah. space that a lot of people were kind of sharing, so we're all kind of working on it. And um, um, a few years, because we, we took our continuing education very quite seriously, and we were going back and forth in the United States a lot. We were I saw that. A lot of people. I saw that on Facebook. And we, through that, we started developing relationships with some of these educators. They were fairly well-known educators, both you know in the U.S. and internationally. And, and we started bringing them to Japan to facilitate continuing education. So more and more, we were getting caught, tied into like facilitating continuing ed. And also, the, one of the ways we helped kind of revive this place after the tsunami was that you know, and all the stuff with Fushima and all that is that we got together with the company TRX. So like the Oh, yeah, the straps, right, because so that became, it, yeah. yes. So we had you some were connections among the first to come in with them. Yeah, right? we had some connections yes. with them when they first came to Japan. So That's we right. were, you know, part of their education team. They're running all their certification courses here. We're actually booking all of their, you know, registrations and stuff mm -hmm. for our website and all that. Mm -hmm. So that really helped, you know, and we still have a great relationship with them. I love them. Kauri is like one of their senior master instructors mm -hmm. and, uh, and still does that. But... As we started kind of, we were obviously doing sessions here, and we started picking up more and more of continuing ed type work, helping um, provide education for Japanese professionals. And so from that, grew out of this idea of like, well, maybe we can have an online type platform where people can access stuff and learn and see what's going on internationally and kind of stay up to date. And that platform was called Kineticos, and we launched that in 2013. And so after a few years of writing that, it started getting a little bit confusing of like, oh, we have the Synergy Center as this facility, but we have Kineticos and this. And we're like, okay, let's bring it all together in one name. So it was Kineticos. This became Kineticos Lab. We were in What year was that? 
That was, that was 16, 17. You brought it all together. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we were basically running that, um, and we were doing. A, so we had a, a very large online presence going back to probably about 2000. Well, we launched in 2013. Mm -hmm. We were really had a pretty, had gotten a pretty decent presence by about 2017. By the time we brought it together. So we were doing that on a little and a lot of continually ed. We got to the point where we we're taking people to the United States and we'd run dissection labs there, take like 50 or 60 Japanese students and run stuff. And so when COVID hit, obviously it ended all a lot of that movement yeah, stuff. Yeah, traveling stuff, yeah. That ended a lot of our personal stuff going and personally vetting and checking out different people internationally and, and thinking about how to put them in our team and things like that. And that, you know, that's all kind of come to an end. But since we already had a lot of these online tools that we're already using, we were able to just kind of, you know, lean in a little bit harder than we were using before. So that was okay. Our field facility here, you know, we switched into, you know, we have some staff here, really great staff, you know, our team that we love. And we uh, helped, how should I say, transition into doing kind of online type stuff right away. But as you probably know, like Japan just didn't seem to get hammered uh, initially, I know this Omicron thing is quite different, but like in 2020 and 2021, mm -hmm. I was looking at places around the world and other facilities and people I knew that were just like, they, I mean, they just kind of open their doors. Right. They were getting fined yeah. and everything else. And Japan, it was like, no, it was okay. And so we, as long as we kept the numbers small, we were doing like one-on-one -on -one stuff and we had everyone's masks and windows open, we could mm -hmm. still kind of do our thing here and then we're doing it online. And then of course we, you know, we have our professional education that's still yeah, going. Well, so. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, it, you know, we weathered it okay. I mean, I always kind of remind myself I think, to be honest, Japan was very kind. I want to thank yeah. both of you for taking the time today to be on this podcast. This has been really great for me. And just, should we fist bump, bump or should we shake hands? Fist bump! Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank so, you. so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank all of you for watching this podcast. Make sure you never forget that it's all alone. Reach for the stars. And you're too blessed to be stressed.